Good morning to our last guest for the morning. It's Keith Tullock. Good morning, mate. Hey, Richo. How are you going? Very well. So you've also got Jill here, Keith, as you, you would be aware. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so tell us, what's it like in the Hunter Valley today? Oh, God's own country. Wonderful weather. <laughs> God's own Soft country. Soft sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> it's Beautiful. like that every day, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's it. You- yeah. <laughs> Do you anticipate getting to the uh, Food and Wine Festival in Sydney at all this weekend, or have you? Uh, no. Well, my wife and I are today just being released from being in COVID quarantine. So <gasps> there's, a, there's a lot oh. that we have done, um, apart from gardening and a uh, bit of uh, reading and, and relaxing. Oh, look, well, welcome back to the world. And at least you can actually drink wine whilst you are in quarantine, provided you're yeah, not too we'll, sick, of course. <laughs> no, no, well, we'll uh, sick, but the thing about COVID is they say you can have a change in your palate where yes. things don't smell or taste. So uh, we, don't worry, we're checking and we're pretty, uh, <laughs> we're pretty back on song. I did have oh, a customer. Excellent. I did have a customer who would regularly buy Bordeaux from me, and he came in the other day, and he's like, "I'm just want to recalibrate." He bought a lo- nice bottle of 2010, but he's 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 saying he's having trouble tasting wine like he used to before. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, slowly and carefully, um, but uh, hey, that's fun too. Uh, recalibrating is yeah. a bad thing to do. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there there are worse things to recalibrate. So, well, <laughs> look, well welcome back, um, Keith. <laughs> you. Your your name is synonymous with uh with with amazing wines in the Hunter Valley. Has been for a very long time. Um, tell us tell us about your wines. You know, Talik is uh, you know synonymous with say Vidello, but you do incredible Marsan and beyond. Yeah, I love that you are plantings from back in the, the late sixties. So tell us about the wines that um that that you have at the moment and have done over the last few years under the Keith Talik brand. Yes, sure, sure. Well, my wife and I started our own company in 1997 and uh, it really was a case where we could uh, secure a brilliant vineyard resource and then develop from a greenfield site into a uh, presence, if you like, a a sense of place and character that uh, could be uh, very very historic in a way with uh, roots that go back for uh, four generations in the valley in winemaking alone, but uh, with our own stamp of uh, individuality, I guess, our own um, unique expression of terroir from very, very significant vineyards that we either own or have access to. Yeah, for sure. And look, you, you've got all of this sort of, uh, I, I guess, it, it runs in your veins. Your your father, Dr. Harry Tullock, was a viticultural research scientist. So I guess it's quite natural that you, you know, you, you approach your uh, your winemaking in some form of a scientific, similar sort of intellectual way. And, um, you know, bringing the terroir into it, that, that gives it its own exclusivity uh, to, to, your own, to your own name and brand. Yes, well, at a young age, I think I worked out that there was, you know, I really wanted to uh, to be involved in uh, the industry in either viticulture or winemaking. But with a research scientist as a father in viticulture, I worked out that I really couldn't compete with him. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that in a hostile way. No, no, no. no. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. You, can't live, you can't live your parents' dreams. So no. uh, I looked at wine as being the other frontier that would be very much hand-in-hand hand with being able to use the mentorship of my uh, forebears, my father in particular, 
but then uh, look at uh, international wine experience and application back to the Hutter Valley as the, the, the fantastic resource that I understood so well in uh, generating a, a standalone brand. Yep. So tell, so you, so oh, sorry, keep going, please. No, no, well, the, the point about that is it isn't looking at just the Hunter Valley as being the total answer in anything uh, and working overseas and looking at uh, great wine areas of the world and focusing particularly on the Rhone Valley and what it does with Shiraz in such a beautiful way and yes. with Bionnier at the same time as a white that can co-ferment or stand alone in its own merits and other varieties yes. like Marsan as well. So mm. it, that that really has been the the, the nub of uh, this is a as a direction. For sure. I, and I think anyone who has uh, been fortunate to to taste your wines, and I've been able to taste many of them over the years, there definitely is, there's a specific Rhone vigneron technique that is applied to them. And it gives it that that, that extra bit of elegance and uh yeah, they're, they're, they're very beautiful wines, so I think it seems like a very a very wise path to tread. So did you actually work over there? Did you do a few vintages in the Rhone or in France? I did, yeah, uh, apart from travelling. And there's a fantastic network of people in any industry. Mm. The wine industry is a very special one where all of these artistic technocrats have their own little um, uh, uh, workshop, I guess, mm. wineries where... Mm. They have so much experience with producing things in a slightly different way. And all of these little um, gems of detail can then be applied into new areas or into uh, new producers so that more of an internationality about wine, which is what I think it's all about, so Mm. that it isn't just saying, okay, this is a a good wine from Australia uh, compared to its own peers. But it's mm. a great wine when it's stood with uh, significant wines from very uh, prestigious areas globally. And so what, sure. what, what sort of Rhone Valley wines are you into, Keith? I mean, is, are there producers? Are there regions? Is it more north? Are we? Well, Cote Roti is, of course, the, well, Cote Roti, the roasting slopes generate yep. such iconic wines as uh, companies like Kigal, for mm. example. Who the Lala's, incredible wines. Travel and know, and our family have been there. Our, our kids have travelled with us to look at what those producers are all about. Yep. My son Alistair actually worked in the Rhone Valley for a full twelve months at Ampuy in Cote wow. uh, Rotary. Wow. So yeah. um, it isn't you know it isn't just a fact of looking in and spending a, a vintage or a small amount of time. A vintage is a very dedicated kind of approach, anyway. And not just once, it has to be more than once that uh, you immerse yourself in that kind of culture. Uh, so Cote Rotis is very important. Hermitage uh, is, uh, I think, the crucible of uh, the, the historic Shirah types with yeah. businesses there. The, the Jabalais, who I've worked with a number of times. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, my son worked with Jabalais, in fact, with the same people that I worked with when I was there more than... 30 years ago. That's nice. Um, yeah, right. And the uh, and the like, you know, significant names of people yeah. with oh, yeah. fantastic pedigree. I must say, one of the greatest white wines I think I've ever tasted was a 2010 Chave Hermitage Blanc, and yeah. it literally blew my mind. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. had anything like it before, and maybe not even since. 
Well, they're, they're so textural. Uh, mm. There's this fantastic, uh, it's almost spun honey or honeycomb kind of texture mm. about uh, Marsan, Roussan in a slightly shyer way, but of course, Viognier, um, just so, so powerful. I think it's the most powerful yes. white grape variety that there is. And you have quite a focus on a Viognier. I've, I love your Shiraz Viognier. I've actually had your fortified Viognier as well. Um, wow. So this is this is a bit of a focus for you. Is it? Do you have a bit of a favourite varietal, or do you not like to have favourite children? Well, um, it depends on what I'm eating. A lot of people say, "What you know? What's my favourite wine type?" But it depends on what's uh, what it has, what has to match with with food on the table. Sure. Um, now it comes back to what works in an area historically as well. So Shiraz is the natural link between an area like uh, the Rhone River with Hermitage and Cote Roti. But Hunter Valley has made its reputation probably more famously on the basis of Semillon. That's a lower alcohol, very fine, uh, un-oak white wine that will sell it for decades in the bottle. Mm -hmm. So there is always and has to always be Semillon as one of those uh, dear treasures of the valley that... I love to make as well. Um, the Hunter Valley makes exceptional Chardonnay as well. Oh, yeah. So, and, and in the vineyard that we have, they, the Chardonnay and the Semillon and Shiraz, were the uh, the varieties that were put on the ground in about 1968. So, mm. they are the the serious older vineyard blocks that we have uh, within our uh, domain, if you like. They're your um, flagships, yeah, for sure. Yep. But, uh, you know, the Viognier co-fermenting with Shiraz is something that really has underpinned the flagship red wines in our portfolio. Mm. Uh, so it's it's got to be a bit of both, you know, things that I've brought to the table through looking through my own eyes globally and certainly giving uh, incredible respect uh, to uh, what's here already and how that can be made into the wines that are so international as well. Keith, from a Victorian lens, uh, I, I live and work down here. Uh, I'm just wondering, and, and we're we're Victorian centric as a, a station. We're, we're a local station here in Heidelberg, in Melbourne. What is it about Hunter Chardonnay? Is and and is there like a sort of style? Do you think you can put into words for our listeners? Yeah, well, talking to Victorian wine lovers, uh, well, Victorians are so you, you deserve to be so parochial. You're so spoiled. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Absolutely. The Definitely. Generate sensational Chardonnay, sensational Shiraz, sensational Cabernet. So yes. the Hunter Valley, um, that, uh, I love doing tastings where I'm showing uh, what the Hunter Valley Chardonnays are all about compared to Yarra Valley or Mornington, for example. Yep. So um, the Hunter Valley is a hot area. So we tend to develop slightly riper, um, golden, peach through nectar and kind of uh, expressions. Yeah. Uh, pineapple, if you like, slightly more tropicality in its in its expression of a grape variety. Sure. Mm. Um, but uh, the Hunter Valley, even though it's a hot area, is also quite um, coastal. We're only about uh, forty kilometres inland in a huge valley where the where the uh, cooling sea breezes tend to blow in and develop cloud to the west, which gives us some shade or shelter and respite from the worst of the hot summer days. Right. Now, those elements make it surprisingly detailed. Okay. So you do get stronger, if you like, uh, broader uh, 
flavour definition, but we still keep the elegance and finesse uh, towards the finish of the palate with a brightness of acidity which is special and that special balanced character is the reason that the Hunter Valley has been so successful over, mm. you know, really since about 1825, uh, growing into the area that it has with uh, its history. And it's the acidity yeah. there that's just going to finish the detail and clean the palate, right? So that's the key to this whole thing. Well, it is. It's very important to look at, um, you know, uh, Australia, generally speaking, and go to some of the hotter, more Mediterranean areas, will produce rocket fuel freight train monster wines. Mm. In the Hunter Valley, we don't have that. Uh, uh, length of vintage or sustenance of the hot weather condition. So we do tend to make the more Eurocentric balanced style of white and red. Mm. And importantly, going or harking back to Semionist variety, it is such a fine style of white wine from such a hot area. We do that with Semion so naturally. We can do it with any white and in fact with reds to get uh, medium-bodied balance, yeah. lovely flavour, ripeness and concentration, but with finesse and real detail that is so important. Yeah, mm. and the medium body, I think, is another thing with the reds, and that's what I love about the Hunter Shirazes, but can we talk just very briefly about Hunter River Burgundy? You know, that sort of, that was the old-school kind of style, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it uh, never went away, Um it, it's a case where Hunter Valley winemakers have always known that it's pointless to compete with areas like the Barossa Valley, for example. Yeah. Uh, they have the natural weather, or the McLaren Vale, they've got the natural weather to make that style so effortlessly. The Hunter Valley will get throughout years where we'll make fuller, inkier, and more tannic styles of red. However, we own the complete medium-bodied style of Shiraz here. And um, uh, that that really is much more of a focus, I think, in the last 15 or 20 years and seems to be moving more and more. Um, there's, I, could, I could easily point that uh, Pinot Noir is a sensationally uh, popular style of, uh, sorry, red wine nowadays because people are looking for that medium-weight charactered red wine Grenache is another good case in point of a wine that really sits in that bullseye of medium flavour weight, fine tannin, wines that will sell well, but are also mm. very approachable within, say, two or three years of their vintage of production. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, do you find that the alcohol content is slightly higher in wines from the, the Hunter? And that's a very general question, but it just seems like there is that little bit, little bit higher uh, is that it largely could just be um, uh, the heat, I guess? Well, ripening does happen quickly mm. in the Hunter, yeah. and it is a case where the, the quality winemakers will all admit that uh, the window for harvesting is, is narrow. Uh, otherwise, you'll undershoot flavour, character, colour development and tannic expression if you mm. pick too early. Yeah. And if you pick too late you'll get bigger, broader, uh, higher octane character. And the alcohol does laminate more easily in a medium-bodied red than it does in a fuller-bodied red. So, mm. yeah, we really need to be uh, focusing on the 
perfect time for harvesting to make the perfect style of wine at the end of the day. Now, uh, I could quickly add that I think that um, a critical time of harvesting is just as important in any area of wine making we mm. were to uh, talk about. But uh, in the Hutter Valley, that's with our history over a long period of time, it's more apparent that in the past, in the 1990s or the 1980s or the 1960s, mm. those um, bigger styles or uh, clunkier styles were uh, certainly part of the, the picture in the valley. Now, the Hunter River Burgundy, getting back to yeah. uh, your point, Richo, is the style's never gone away, but very excitingly, more and more producers are looking at having that as their recognised stamp. Yeah, which is fabulous. It's such a brilliant thing. And, and, and so even some makers like Simon Steele and Sarah Crow, who've come, of course, through Brokenwood and, and Ian Leslie Riggs, they've brought that style to the Yarra now and they're calling it Yarra River Burgundy or Light Dry Red or whatever, which I think is a great thing. Well, the, the name Burgundy can't be used, uh, as you know, on labelling, but yep. it's great that, that we can say it out loud and people can uh, can get resonance with what it all means. <laughs> sure. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. One of the very important things to remember about the old Lindemans, uh, Hutter River Burgundies of, you know, the 59s and the, the mid-60s. 60s, and, yeah. the, and then even looking into, say, the 83, they've been double six, double yeah. oak. Mm. These are sensational wines, and part of the reason that they are, um, with that balance of body, the more Burgundian expression, is they were matured in large format barrels. There were no puncheons or bariques or hogsheads in those days. They were foodras of about 2,500 litres each. Mm. Now, a lot more winemakers uh, in the Yarra Valley, certainly, and in the Hutter Valley, definitely, are looking at bigger format wood, so that you get the detail and finer tannin flavour weight. We, in, in our winery, we have a, a, a long row of uh, new uh, foodras and demi-foodras, which are 1,200 litres, because the finesse of oak is what it's all about, so that the fruit itself has the expression without being too obscured by oak tannin or oak perfume. Yeah, and I always say to people, oaks like your skeleton. I'm glad you've got it, but I don't want to see it. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Oh, I just love that medium-bodied hunter red style. So thank you for that. Yeah, so do I. Mm. Oh, look, and I think that, um, Keith, what the what you're actually imparting through all these stories and uh, bringing, obviously, being able to assimilate it to uh, to particular wines and regions in France. It just says, it really speaks volumes about what you can actually achieve in the Hunter Valley. And of course, a lot of people probably either forget or don't realise that the Hunter Valley is the oldest wine region in Australia. You know, we've been producing, sorry, I said we, <laughs> they've been producing, <laughs> I'm, I'm a town with girl. They've been producing <laughs> magnificent wines for longer than anyone else in in Australia. And um, and I love that this this different take, you know, as you say, originally it was the flagship, it's the Semillon, it's the Chardonnay. And, and thank you for that very detailed um, explanation of the Hunter Chardonnay, Keith, and the Shiraz, but now it's moving very much to these European varietals that, that suit so well. So um, 
look very it's I, I love it i love that we've had a bit of a focus on new south wales today so keith um thank you so much for joining us i hope you enjoy coming out of covid and uh i'll definitely be in touch when i'm next in the hunter valley Yes, well, thank you very much. Love to see you. Love to, uh, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. Love to see anyone who drives up to the valley to uh, call in and we can show them what it all means. Oh, and look, your cellar door is absolutely spectacular. We didn't get a chance to really touch on that too much, but um, it is worth, it's definitely worth a look. So everyone must visit Keith Tullick for sure. Thanks so much and have a great day.